Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the 508th edition of the Feuerstein's Fire American Soccer Show. I'm your host, Daniel Feuerstein. I'll give you American perspective, our clubs, leagues, players, national team, and other fabulous moments. You get your daily reading from me at my blog, which is also known as Feuerstein's Fire. Just go to DanielFeuerstein.com and uh, type it up, read the stuff, and uh, see uh, what I've done right. Mostly it is Red Bulls, but... It will be also national, uh, U.S. men's and women's national team and MLS and USL and U.S. Open Cup and anything and everything else. You know, I want to talk about a subject, and, and, and usually something this subject for me is very, very uh, disturbing because the point is is that I don't like to mix politics and sports, but at the same time, it has to be said because I, I really want to have everyone listen to what I have to say. And if I'm stepping on a soapbox, so be it. Fine. But, you know, political climate in our nation is very, very high right now. It is very disturbing. And it is sad at how this level of racism has popped up in our nation. Now, let me say this, and I want you to understand where I'm coming from. I do not believe the United States of America is a racist country. I do not believe in that. I believe we are a beautiful country, a beautiful nation. Everyone respects one another. There are moments of arrogance that pops up against somebody of a different religion or a different skin color. But I do not believe we are a racist nation of today. There have been times where, yes, this country has been challenged due to race, like the Civil War, like the Jim Crow laws back in the day in the South. But those moments are gone. Believing in people like Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., how he wanted this nation, that everyone should love one another and respect one another, no matter what their skin color is, no matter what the subject is, we are all the same. Yet different, but we respect one another. Now, even though it's, this is going to be Red Bulls related, in reality it's not because it's one thing and one thing going on here, and that's racism. Mandela Egbo of the New York Red Bulls 2 team from USL Championship League on the road against Loudoun United, of course, a affiliate of DC United, was taking a penalty for the New York Red Bulls 2 
And he says in a tweet that he heard monkey chants coming from the Loudoun United fans, whoever was there. And if that's real and that's truly the case, then those fans, whoever did it, should be punished and never be allowed to see a Loudoun United match or any other match involving the USL Championship League, USL League One, USL League Two, MLS, the men's national team, the women's national team, NPSL, any professional or any soccer league sanctioned under the umbrella of the U.S. Soccer Federation. That is first and foremost what should happen to any of those Loudoun United supporters who did that. USL is conducting an investigation. I will not in I will not give my opinions of anything of that investigation. I have no knowledge of what they have currently. But I do hope that they do find those people and I do hope that they get punished severely for their stupidity, for their dumbness, for being a bunch of idiots because we don't need that in our game, and even in the world's game. And now, another player from the New York Red Bulls who has experienced something out of the blue. Even though he is not that religion, he felt it in front of him in the streets of New York City. Luca Lewis is a goalkeeper the New York Red Bulls. He was walking around last week in Manhattan where six to eight Palestinian men walked up to him, asked him where he was from. And basically said he's from New York. A 20-year-old being asked, where are you from? He said New York. And this is the quotes from the article written in the New York Post, but, uh, written by – I want to make sure I get this person's name correctly – Natalie Musumeki, Musumechi. I probably butchered her name, and I apologize for that. But I want to make sure I get her name correctly on the record because this is her article in the New York Post. He quoted, she quoted him. I responded and said New York. The 20-year-old wrote explaining on his Instagram that one man in the group then asked him whether he was Jewish. I paused for a moment in confusion and thought about it. Then I saw them withdrawing knives. He recalled, I obviously said no. The guy looked at me with such disgust in his eyes and said, good. And then Luca Lewis continued and said, as I started walking away, I got extremely angry and felt I had to say something. So I turned back around and said to him, what if I was Jewish? That's when Lewis says, the band of men got in his face, and the same guy says, I'll beat the effing sh out of you and kill you. As I was face to face with, the guy, with this guy, I told him, what is the need for that, Lewis wrote. Thankfully, him and his friend were fine. I understand what's going on in the Middle East, even though there is a ceasefire with all those shootings and the bombings and everything. 
thank goodness that moment is done and gone with. But if you don't know what my last name is, it's really simple. I am Jewish. I am nervous for myself right now and for my wife and for family members who live in Brooklyn, who live in Queens, who live in the Bronx, Long Island, and anyone and everyone that lives in the, in the tri-state area of New York City, including in the five boroughs. Whenever I, whenever I conduct myself on this show, attending a match, whether it be the Gold Cup, an MLS match, a men's national team match for the USA, or a women's national team match for the USA, what do I do? I talk to anyone and everyone, and I don't care what their skin color is. I don't care where their religion or that, what their religious preference is. I don't care if you're white, black, Hispanic, Asian, Hindu Indian, Native American Indian. I don't care where you come from, whether you come f- or even a Muslim. I don't care if you're Jewish, Christian, Muslim, atheist, or uh, you know. Um, any other religion that's not mine. I look at you with the same respect I give you. I respect all of you. And all I want is that respect back. I don't care about who you are or what you are. The only thing I care about is that if you respect me, I will respect you. Because we all love this game. We all love this game. We should not be throwing racist insults at one another. We shouldn't. We cannot do this. I'm born in the Bronx in New York City. In all my years that I've been living in this country, I've never felt, in this day and age, I I have felt the negativity and the hatred flying around like it's nothing. It's easy to do. I thought we were all on the same page a long time ago. I thought there was a moment And that moment that did happen in Minneapolis, where we all came together and said, that's not right, what happened. That person who killed that man was not right. We were all on the same page. All of us were on the same page. All of us. And then two days later, it's fractured. It's gone. And now we have to hide because of identity, politics, and racist politics. I don't care where you come from. I don't care who you are, what you are. You're a human being. I am sad because of the stupidity that's going on that is ruling and running through our lives 
I don't know how much more to say about this. I hate this feeling. Until these situations are done, I can't step into the five boroughs. I can't step into the city that I love them, that I love so much. Because I'm afraid of either getting out of a car, off a bus, off a subway, off a commuter train, at any train station, that I have to watch my own back and pray to God that I don't get stabbed, all because of who or what I am. One day, it's probably going to be like, well, what would you think about the match? Oh, it was great. Well, Messi was fantastic. Ronaldo was fantastic. Mohamed Salah is a fantastic player. Next thing I know, are you Jewish? Yeah. Cool. That's what I'm afraid of. You know, my grandmother is 92 years old. She'll be 93 next month in June. And, you know, she was in the concentration camps in Auschwitz towards the back end of the Second World War. And even though she survived and she lost her father, my my great-grandfather and my great-grandmother, she was a fighter and she held strong. Yes. Yes, she still has that coat with the yellow Jewish star on it because she's Jewish. But she's lived to the fight and to tell the tale. All I'm asking from all of you, if you listen to this show, and if you don't listen to this show, to pass the word along to please, please, can we just be better? Can we please be much better than what we've been showing so far? Can we please be better and try to regain the same respect that we once had for one another. I don't care about your politics. I don't care about your opinions. All I care about is earning your respect. We all love this game. We should all love each other. And all I ask is that you respect one another no matter who you are or what you are. It's time to end this stupidity. It's time to just please, 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 let's get back to being normal. Respect one another and maybe... Maybe we can get back to being decent human beings. Let's end this stupidity. Let's end the racist crap. And let's just move on and enjoy what we all love, talking about the world's greatest game. Great show for you tonight. Of course, uh, Derek Stowers of Dynamo Theory of SB Nation will be joining me about the sale of the club. I'll talk a little later about the New York Red Bull match on um, the Red Bull segment. Joining me right now is a good friend of mine, an old friend of mine during the days of Champion Soccer Radio Network, the former Columbus crew reporter for the Around the League and 90-Minute Show, my good friend Blake Compton out of Columbus, Ohio. Blake, hey. um, if I can just say that, how are you, my friend? 
great, awesome, amazing. That's fantastic. Um, a couple of maybe a year ago, we talked about saving the Columbus crew and you know the success that that happened. And thankfully, uh, the Haslam's came in along with the local Columbus ownership to take over the club. And then we had to save the club again. You had to save the club again because the crew name was in jeopardy of going away. And thankfully, it came back. And uh, you know, I know you always have your ear to the ground of what goes on in Columbus and. Uh, you are a private citizen these days, so go ahead, my friend. I am. Go ahead, my friend. The it, floor is yours. You, you what, know, what, what's uh, it like now? Uh, the, the the key word was save the crew. It wasn't save the Columbus. It was, and uh, there was there was a a deafness, a, a tone deafness that happened um, between you know these these new corporate marketing folks and the uh, UK branding firm that thought that removing the crew was like the way to move Columbus in a, to a global level. Columbus was already in the global like atmosphere because in the history of soccer teams, like there are very few teams that were ever saved from being removed from a city when they, you know, the, the people with money decided to remove them from a city and we're one of them, you know? Um, and I'm still not happy with the logo. I don't think I'll ever be happy with it. I thought the, rebrand that the pre-court era brought, you know, post uh, losing the MLS Cup in 2015 uh, was gorgeous. It was one of the best, you know, brand marks I've, I've seen. It respected the heritage of the, the crew, um, the original, you know, one of the original 96 teams, and uh, yet still spoke to the future of where the club could go. And I really thought it was arbitrary that we needed to change. Uh, and I, I wonder and I speculate that maybe there was something to do with the sale of the club and that they had to change the logo because of the sale of the club. But I think that's arbitrary and off base. Uh, albeit, I still want to like fuel the flames that maybe there's something pre-court's shaking his hand. Like, I got him again. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Well, I will say this. I do agree with you. The last rebrand or shall we say the changing of the crest from the three construction workers to the German style crest was absolutely a thing of beauty. This unfortunately is nothing. I, I think the, the Haslam's made a mistake uh, to go from the German style crest to that, I guess the letter C inside supposedly the flag of Ohio, which I, I think, uh, went wrong. I think it's uh, gone awry. I, I think that was a very poor decision. But I will say this, at least, thankfully, they listened to the supporters. They've listened to the, to the people who are fans of their club. You're getting a fantastic stadium soon uh, in downtown Columbus. I, I just feel you, like... You know, what's, you know what's amazing thank God about... They that moment that uh, as, as a, you know, I'm a second era veteran to running fan groups and running supporter groups. Like I wasn't the originals. I wasn't from the 96, the early, uh, the late nineties and early two thousands, you know, the, the Matt Bernhardt's of the world that, that the, the Rick Thomas's of the world that like created what we know is, you know, soccer fandom in uh, America. 
I was the ones that took it. I, I was part of the group that took it and expanded it, you know, the post Toronto's, the post MLS 2.0's and took it and just like said, let's, let's make this bigger. And what was amazing that I've seen even in the last two weeks was these people stepping up with a professionalism of, of how to run the fan groups anymore and how to build something bigger than themselves. Now I might, may not always agree. Maybe none of us will always agree with the people that are in our leaderships, but it was amazing to see that we have these new people names that I don't even know anymore, stepping up and communicating effectively with the Columbus crew and saying, Hey, we're against this, but we're going to work with you to like figure this out rather than just fight with you. And that was, that was such a healing moment for me to see that we're like creating those bonds. Exactly. Exactly. And that's how it should be. That's how building a club with the fans and the people that pour their heart and soul into this club, supporting the club, knowing that, you have a future, and at the same time, everything is safe and sound. You don't have to worry about losing this club. You don't have to worry about losing a name, and it's just fantastic to hear this from you. I, I, know, I know how big you are with this, with this uh, MLS side. I, I know how loyal you are. I know how loyal everyone in Columbus is, and hopefully with this brand-new stadium, uh, we can hopefully have a better uh, rebrand of, say, uh, Dulce Zero coming back when it's USA versus Mexico in World Cup qualifying, you know, oh everything that God. stands for Columbus, everything that stands for Columbus is not just what's in the crest, but also what is with the supporters of that club. Yeah, to know that we have a whole, a whole side of the stadium now instead of just a little corner. To, uh, and I just recently thought about the Dosa's arrow, like, that first USA game, I mean, God, that's going to be magical. It's going to be so special. It's going to be so different. And and I hope I hope it's exactly what we need. It's going to be two zero. It's going to be dosa zero. It's going to be the exact thing that all of America wants to see against Mexico. If only we're privileged enough to get that again. Exactly. I mean, anytime the U.S. men's national team comes to Columbus, it's always a special time. I mean, you know. I mean, you know, I, I see the videos, I watch the videos from U.S. soccer, from MLS, and, you know, it's like a party. It's like a, it's, it's like a pilgrimage, you know? Ever since the first time that it happened in Columbus at Historic Crew Stadium, that ended 2-0 in the second half, of course, uh, Josh Wolf scored the opening goal back in uh, 2001 uh, in the freezing February day, night. Uh, and, of course, Ernie Stewart made it 2-0. Jack Edwards, of course, that match led SportsCenter on ESPN uh, that, that wonderful night in Columbus. And everyone was celebrating. I know Columbus was just, you know, in a frenzy. And to have that continuing on is just wonderful. But I will say this. I know I'm getting a little ahead of myself. But, you know, the world recognizes the New York Cosmos. It's not New York City FC. It's not, you know, New York this, New York that, it it or or FC New York or whatever it used to be that that club back in the, the USL days. Right. If you have a nickname called the New York Cosmos and that still goes strong, that everyone still remembers, that everyone still wants to be a part of, and we're not going to get into the political stuff about the current club currently right now, but let me just say this: 
if New York Cosmos is recognized all over the world, just like Arsenal, just like you know PSG, just like Boca Juniors, River Plate, or Club America, Columbus Crew is recognized automatically. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the the Crew logo is still used all over the world and in, in different ways to represent other clubs. You know, all you got to do is change some colors, and you've got these three strong men standing there saying, we represent force and strength. And it's still used, you know, whether whether the Columbus crew uses it or not. And that is iconic and in and of itself, period. It is. It really is. And uh, I'm, for one, I'm very happy that the Haslams uh, did turn around and listen to you know, the, the Columbus supporters, they listened to everyone. They listened – I wouldn't say they're constituents, but I, I don't even want to say they're paying customers because that's wrong. They listened to the people that support the club, that have been supporting the club since it started in 1996, all the way at, back at the Ohio State football stadium, all the way to Historic Crew Stadium, and now even coming more to so. the brand-new Columbus Exactly. Even more so than listening, they recognized fault. Like, oh, my God, in this day and age, to just say, hey, we screwed up. We didn't do the thing we should have done. We're going we're gonna to listen now. So, yeah, they listened, but they said we screwed up. That's, like, so powerful to just, like, acknowledge. And, yeah, they, the, if you, you dive into the words, of course it's, 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 it's uh, rosy and it's, it's not – complete like hey we screwed up straight up but it's enough it's enough saying hey we, we brought you to the table now we should have brought you to the table earlier we screwed up we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna fix this and yeah it might not be the fix that you want it might not be the fix that we want but we're gonna try i mean that's all we, that's all we're, mm-hmm. i think any supporters asking for i mean step one would have been just not change the logo the logo was great it was fine we didn't need to touch it We've already gotten past that. We can't go back there now. And now exactly. at least they're listening and, and they're adapting. I agree. And I'm glad that they did admit that they made a mistake. That's the number one thing. And I'm glad to hear that they, they admitted that and then and make that uh, changing back to what it should be. Now, let me ask you this. I mean, obviously, um, we've spoken off air a couple of days ago. You're no longer in the construction business. You're a consultant now. Um, yep. How many times have you been? How many times have you been to the new uh, stadium site for the crew? And how does it look? And how does it fit with Nationwide Arena for the Columbus Blue Jackets, Huntington Bank Ballpark for the Columbus Clippers, AAA affiliate of the Cleveland Indians, and then afterwards, it's the baby that you want to be a part of as soon as those doors open? Well, well, um, you know, being really vulnerable with you, man, I, I haven't been there yet. Um, that's how depressed ah. I was last year with COVID and life, you know, going through divorce and my father's death. Like I just, I, I pushed everything away. And that was one of the things I pushed away. I haven't gone to the new stadium yet. I've driven by it many times and it's, it's an icon. It's an absolute icon. It's exactly where it needs to be. It's it's beautiful. Um, you know, construction's on pace. They're telling the story right. The you know, it's a grass field. Like thank God, it's a grass field. 
like thing I would want in a stadium. And there's going to be changes that come from it. Um, and I, I wish I could have toured it at this point. I wish I could have seen it, but I was really depressed, man. And yeah. now I'm on the other side of it, and I'm really excited about the new stadium. I want to be at that first home game that they have when the stadium opens up. But I, I definitely know that there are going to be differences. There's going to be changes, you know. Like, for since 98, we've had tailgating. Tailgating is going to be pretty hard to do at this new stadium, you know. We're, we're going to have yeah. to come to the stadium in a different way. We're going to have to experience the stadium pregame in a different way. Things are going to cost more because you've got a new stadium. It's built in 2021. It's not built in 98, you know, and uh, we're going to have to deal with that as fans. But I think the end result is a more intimate environment, a more beautiful environment, a more state-of-the-art environment. Um, you know, we're going to be on that cutting edge rather than, you know, the the old story, the historic story, right? Like, oh, you were the first soccer stadium in the U.S., but man, you have a lot, you know, your bathrooms suck. You know, the, the food vendors aren't that great. Like access to the stadium isn't that great. You know, like all these things that you just, I mean, you know, I, I think about Toyota Park over in Chicago. Is it Toyota Park anymore? I don't know. But like, it's honestly logistically one of the best stadiums I've ever been in as a way supporter. But like, it has a lot to be desired as a stadium. You see the changes in these new stadiums and they just get better and better and better. And so like, I hope, that we, we get to experience that with a thoughtfulness. Um, and the, the crew fans and away fans are going to have the best experience they've had, you know, in, in Columbus ever when they, they visit the new stadium. Absolutely, and I hope to get there myself uh, once this once those doors open up. Blake, listen, it's a good to hear from you again, my friend. Uh, sorry, for, uh, my condolences for the loss of your father. I'm sorry. Um, I know how that is. And uh, I just hope uh, you have a very good day. Have a good evening. Thanks again for coming back on. And uh, we'll get back together soon, all right? Yeah, please. And if you come to the, if you come to Columbus, let me know, man. I'll take care of you. I will definitely let you know. Don't all worry. Right. You're already on the list right. when I get good. over there. I promise. All right, man. All right, take care, all right. Blake. See you, buddy. Bye, guys. See you later. Take care. Blake Compton, uh, former Columbus crew reporter for the Champion Soccer Radio Network, uh, where we were friends of at the time. So, uh, you know, it's great to hear from him again and the voice of Columbus, one of the voices of Columbus, in my opinion, when it comes to supporting and uh, uh, a club like the Columbus Crew. Now joining me from Dynamo Theory of SB Nation, Derek Stowers, a big moment happening for the Dynamo. They were sold to a brand new ownership group, and it's just been amazing to hear what the amount was. Derek joins me right now. Good evening, Derek. It's been a while. I hope you're well. How are things down in Houston? Oh, it's starting to get hot uh, (laughs) this time of year. Uh, Real quick, I just want to say I really appreciated uh, your opening monologue. You know, racism and bigotry has to be called out. So I appreciate you using your platform to advocate for peace, love, and equality. You know, um, it, it hurts. It hurts me badly when uh, yeah. I see these things happen. It, it, it hurts. It really does because to think the good in us should always be out there and we should get rid of the bad. That's, that's how I feel. So, yeah. But the good is that the Dynamo now are under a new leadership. Uh, I understand it's a real estate developer. His name is Ted Siegel. Um, and it is a nice round figure. 
to purchase mm-hmm. the Houston Dynamo for $400 million. When did you hear about the news that this was about to happen, uh, that the Dynamo was about to be purchased? Um, so a few days ago, and I, I should be clear, too, uh, the Dynamo right now are not commenting on on this. So we're just getting little pieces of stuff, but their position has always been um, – they, here's their statement, actually. Our ownership group receives inquiries about the uh, the club from interested parties on a frequent basis and has mm-hmm. for quite some time. These inquiries are private in nature, and we respect the privacy of those individuals. Our club will have no comment on any reports. So a few days ago, uh, May 19th, Mark Berman from uh, Fox 26 News um, tweeted this out, and it's a little unusual uh, for Mark Berman to be talking about the Dynamo because he usually covers some of the big sports. He's, you know, in there with the uh, the Rockets, the Texans, the Astros. But the the Dynamo don't always get um, his attention. But he is a Houston mainstay in the the media world. So when he says something like this, it it gets taken very seriously. which is why in our piece, my managing editor, uh, Dustin, put out that uh, when Berman uh, says something, it has a 99% chance of happening. Wow. Wow, that's amazing that uh, sports – a sports uh, caster or at least a uh, sports (laughs) reporter on television – uh, you know, he has his ear to the ground and he's listening. And it also says to me maybe uh, he's starting to uh, maybe respect the Houston Dynamo a little bit more, uh, with that round figure being uh, bantered around, shall we say. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, some of the, the various reports that I've seen, you know, obviously with the Dynamo uh, just saying no comment, you know, you take all of these things with a grain of salt, but, you know, Berman's it doesn't really say anything other than, you know, things are happening. Um, but, you know, I've heard different things like uh, James Harden, Oscar De La Hoya, they own they're, – they're minority owners, and it's not well reported uh, if they're going to be involved in part of the buyout or not. So mm-hmm. it's one of the most interesting things that I remember – so the Dynamo, you know, speaking of uh, the Columbus Crew rebrand, the Dynamo have undergone a little bit of a facelift with a new logo and FC at the end of their name. And the new logo, I'll just say, yes. kind of looks like a baseball logo. But <laughs> um, <laughs> no. last year before um, the, the, the rebrand was announced, uh, there was a story out of the uh, – the athletic that said that uh, the the uh, the majority owner uh, Gabriel Brenner was uh, one thinking about doing a rebrand and two was interested in selling the club. So these reports, you know, it's just they they keep getting a little bit bigger and bigger. So mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> you know when we were. Uh, going back and forth in our uh, 
messages setting this up, I was <laughs> going to tell you that we were all very happy because when uh, Brenner uh, acquired the majority stake of the club from AEG back in 2015, everybody, for the you know, for the most part, was pretty excited about that sale because you know we were tied to AEG, AEG with its uh, <clears throat> uh, ties to the LA Galaxy. We all, a lot of Dynamo fans always thought, well, they're making all these big signings over there, but, you know, where's the love on, you know, on, on our end? Uh, so we were very excited with the sale of the, of the team. And then from then on, I think we've only been to the playoffs once, and that was in 2017. And it, we just, we didn't see that kind of investment that we really wanted. So these type of sales for the, you know, the rumored amount of $400 million excites us um, as fans because we kind of, we've gotten, what, six seasons out of Gabriel Brenner and, you know, yep. one one supporter shield, not supporter shield, I'm sorry, the uh, U.S. Open, Open Cup. Open Cup. Uh, yep. And that's about it. I mean, one one run to the Western Conference Finals and then no uh, – playoff appearances at all. We are excited as fans because we get, you know, the little bit of hope of maybe this is the owner that's, you know, really going to splash some cash. But, you know, as the saying is, time will tell. Exactly. Time will tell. And the hope is, is that, uh, which I agree with you, I believe that uh, this is 99% done. Uh, just got to get that one single percent taken care of and everything's good to go. Uh, and I'm reading another report saying it sounds like the uh, the minority uh, ownership stakes, like, as you said, Oscar De La Hoya will be intact. James Harden, uh, now with the Brooklyn Nets, uh, mm-hmm. his will be intact. Um, there is a uh, one person in the minority uh, end. Jake Silverstein apparently is going to uh, sell his shares, uh, um, which, of course, they uh, they have not uh, received uh, anything, but still, though, uh, or any news from his office or anything, but still, though, and uh, all I can say is is that, um, you know, this is the hope, and, uh, you know, it's, it's not just keeping the Dynamo in Houston. It, it's how much are you willing to spend to purchase a club and become a brand new owner from the current owner that's going on. And I think that we're finally seeing that respect for the sport here in this country. I mean, if you're selling the club for $400 million, now obviously it's not Barcelona, we all know that, it's not Man United, it's not Arsenal or anything like that, but still, but still though, $400 million is not chump change. That's a lot of money. Right. Yeah, and you know, the hope for, for us as Houston fans because it, it is that the money does get spent because, you know, it's not for every single club because MLS is, you know, unique and, uh, you know, money doesn't always translate to success, but not spending money usually translates to not doing well. And Houston is a unique city in terms of fandom um, and showing up for events. It's a large market. And sports franchises can capitalize on that market. But we are very fickle in the sense that we like to back teams that win. If you remember in the uh, early uh, uh, 2011, um, 
the, the Houston Astros went through a very long stretch, and they, that organization couldn't give tickets away to get people to show up. Now, the Texans always do their thing, uh, but the Rockets, well, the Rockets have maintained relative uh, competitiveness to, to keep people showing up, but, you know, the Dynamo sometimes can suffer in that sense where people go, well, you know, we can support some of our clubs in Mexico, or we've got clubs in the Premier League or, you know, Real Madrid or Barcelona, as you said, that they can support and still latch themselves onto a winning team. So if he can put together um, the right injection of, uh, of funds and make the right signings, actually compete. Because, you know, when the Dynamo first arrived in Houston from San Jose, that was a good team, and they were good enough for long enough to go to four MLS Cups and win two of them. So that kind of support was there in those days, the Dominic Kinnear era, but has since, especially under uh, Gabriel Brenner, his ownership, has really seen things decline in terms of attendance and uh, kind of general support because, you know, we do like to back – uh, winners here in Houston, unless you're in the Texans, where the Texans always <laughs> seem to get support. That's true. That's very true. We'll have to wait and see what's going to happen. But uh, obviously, it's uh, it's it's a lot of fun to hear all this stuff. I have to ask you: um, Has the Dynamo changed their orange? It looks more of a darker orange, maybe a burnt orange now. Uh, their kits because um, just not seeing the same orange like I'm used to seeing whenever the Dynamo are out in the pitch. Yeah, I, I definitely think it's a little bit darker. Um, yeah, like you said, more of that burnt type of thing. I think they're really kind of embracing that uh, painted black kind of mentality. So shifting tones to darker things, like including the orange. I mean, and, and you can see the black and stuff in their the new Dynamo, Houston Dynamo FC logo. And, you know, you see the little lightning bolt for, you know, energy. It's it's definitely not what I would think of as the same. And, and the other thing is what gives it part of that, you know, in addition to just being darker, they're doing the, um, the all-orange uh, – Look, you know, orange kit, uh, orange shorts, orange socks. So it's a lot of orange. Like in the past, they used to have uh, white shorts, which kind of lightens things up and gives you that dreamsicle kind of feel, which is a little bit more light. And they're they're really kind of pushing it into the the darker, more Halloweeny looking thing. <laughs> Mhm. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. Um so, you know, with the uh with the with the change of the crest of the Houston Dynamo. Yeah. Do you like it or shall I ask if you hate it? Well, so it 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 is definitely growing on me a little bit. But my initial mm-hmm. reaction was not. This is this is a baseball logo. And everybody re- – I know somebody that has the old uh, Dynamo uh, logo tattooed on his arm. Um, 
Like people, this was like the kind of change that nobody was asking for. And it's, it's odd that that Atlantic report would pair a rebranding, also a sale of teams. You would think if the new owner comes in, they might want to rebrand the way that they wanted to envision or not do anything at all. So it's, it's weird. I think it is growing on a lot of people, but I think that the reception for it is generally mixed. Mhm. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, I hear you. We'll see what happens. Yep. And I think if yeah, we ended up things. going going back to the old one overnight, I think everybody would go, "Hey, you know, all right, that's fine with us." But you know, some people, I guess, do do like it. But I think most, if you had to do a poll on which one do you like, I think that the older logo would be the much preferred, just like in the Columbus crew uh, with your conversation with your friend there. So, Oh, exactly. Exactly. That's uh, That doesn't get old anymore. It's still going strong, but thankfully they listened, even though they put the name back in it. Hopefully they go back to the old one, which was the last one that wasn't so bad, which I liked. And hopefully maybe yeah, the Dynamo will go back to the original crest. We'll see what happens. Yep, definitely. I mean, those are those are iconic, classic MLS things that don't really need messing with. You know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Other than that, Derek, uh, what else is going on with you over in uh, Dynamo Theory? Anything uh, big going on? Is a uh, certain... Um, Alicia no longer there, or? So, uh, no. Uh, <clears throat> the new managing uh, editor is Dustin Richardson. He's a longtime uh-huh. uh, cover of the, the Dynamo. He predates me, even. Uh, <laughs> he uh, used to cover uh, content over at Total MLS, back when that was mm-hmm. uh, around. Uh, the Dy- it, <laughs> it's so interesting being a Dynamo fan and covering them as long as you do. I'm usually very optimistic coming into seasons, and this was the first season where I was like, you know, I I, I don't know. I don't think we spent that much. But they are surprising me. You know, currently we are, what, fourth in the league, something like that, fourth mm-hmm. or fifth yep. in the West, I should say. Um, and they're – they're putting together some strong performances, and a lot of their new players are playing well. Um, you know, Tim, of course, you're familiar with Tim Parker. He's been uh, fantastic. And we've started a, a weird – or Tad Bramos, I should say, has started a weird thing of putting in the veteran uh, midfielder, uh, Oscar Boniac-Garcia, as Tim Parker's partner in center back, which wow. is – very interesting. But there's a lot of cool um, things from the new guys that I've noticed. Uh, Joe Corona is just doing these laser-perfect long-through passes, which is perfect for uh, spreading the field with uh, with our wingers. And Maxi Arruti, we're getting uh, surprising production out of him because uh, he's getting good service. Derek Jones is a midfielder who we um, – signed from Nashville, is a very large kid, and 
he just keeps getting better. He displaced uh, one of our best players in uh, central defensive midfield in this last game, and he had a very good performance in it. Fafa Pico, another new player, um, is just doing a lot of his fancy fancy things. And uh, another surprise, Tyler Pasher coming out of um, – I forget exactly which USL team it is, but he – before he got injured, was involved in, you know, either directly scoring himself, assisting, or setting up, you know, drawing a penalty, for example, uh, and forcing an own goal. In our first three or four games, he was responsible in those ways for four goals, which is impressive for somebody that last season was playing for a team called Indy 11 uh, in the, the USL, I believe. Um, so really good to see uh, players like him, who, who's one of those kind of dynamic, wants to take take you on. We've been kind of doing this, uh, the Dynamo Theory Twitter account and uh, the Houston Dynamo account have been doing, you know, like Tyler Pasher appreciation tweets. And it's been fun to see uh, someone that he's not necessarily young, but he's young in his prime. Uh, doing as well as he is at the next level. So it's, you know, like I said, I came into this season not nearly as optimistic as I would like. And there's definitely some things that the club can improve upon. Um, But, you know, they are undefeated at home. They're somehow picking up some uh, results on the road. Uh, So it's just, it, 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 they've been surprising, and it's been a lot of the new guys that have, the, have been the ones doing the, the surprising. So it's always good to see that, especially when you kind of went into the season with lowered expectations. There you go. That's good to hear. All right, Derek, <laughs> thank you for your time as always. I always enjoy having you on the show talking about the Dynamo. You have a good evening, and, uh, and when it's officially official – off we go. So thank you again yeah. for coming on. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. Derek Stowers, Dynamo Theory of SB Nation. Join me about the sale. Now, obviously, the Dynamo are keeping quiet, but I think we could all admit that it's going to be uh, – um, it, it's all going to be uh, taken care of one way or the other. I think it's going to happen. By the way, the article I got it from Sportico uh, by Eben I, uh, Novi Williams and Scott So So Cynic, uh, wrote the article. So I just want to give them the credit for uh, writing the article that I was reading from uh, in Sportico in English. So uh, it's uh, thanks to them for writing that article. Um, now, before we move forward, as everyone knows, that as we are seeing all across the country, sporting events are now getting closer or are going to be at full capacity stadiums, whether it be Major League Baseball. Uh, We've seen already, or I've seen in New York City at Madison Square Garden during the playoffs, 15,000 allowed at the Garden for Game 1 last night between the Knicks and the Hawks. Um, We're seeing these governors now allowing fans to come back to the stadiums. 
The New York Red Bulls just found out, I guess today, Governor Phil Murphy of uh, New Jersey has now allowed full capacity at all stadiums to come back for the fans. This is the official statement from the New York Red Bulls. When it comes to that, the New York Red Bulls are pleased with Governor Murphy's announcement today to allow events to return to full capacity. We look forward to welcoming our Red members, supporters, and all loyal fans back to Red Bull Arena Excuse me, at near full capacity. In order to comply with MLS guidelines, we will continue to review and update our stadium policies and protocols as our commitment to the health and safety of our fans and staff remains our top priority. Additional information on future home matches, including uh, this Saturday's match versus Orlando City, will be communicated this week. So we are going to have a full stadium uh, of fans, hopefully, uh, this coming weekend, not just in with the New York Red Bulls, but everyone else, of course, moving forward. It is great, but, you know, let me just say this. Please remain strong and vigilant. If you do not feel comfortable walking around without a mask, go ahead and put it on. Go ahead. If you feel you're not ready to walk around without a mask, that's fine. What you should do is go to the games in your comfort level. If you feel you're not comfortable enough to be without a mask throughout the entire match, so be it. Go the way you want to go. And then if you want to wait for next year, then you wait for next year not to wear a mask. For now, all I'm saying is this. Depending on where you are in the country, depending on what you are doing, if you wish to continue to wear a mask at an MLS stadium, please continue to do so. This is your comfort level. No one should tell you what you should or should not do. You should remain comfortable with how you want to be. If you don't feel comfortable, then stay home. If you feel comfortable but you want to wear a mask, go ahead. If you want to just go ahead and say, you know what, I'm done with it. I I don't need a mask anymore. Let's go. Then go ahead. All I'm asking is to be safe, be careful. Do not, I repeat, do not make a mistake. Go at how comfortable you want to be. That's all I'm saying. That is it. Nothing more, nothing less. If you don't feel comfortable not wearing a mask at your MLS stadium, then wear your mask. If you don't feel comfortable going to the MLS stadium at all, stay home. But if you're ready to shed the mask and you're ready to be brief and everything and anything and all that other fun stuff, then go for it. Just be careful. No one should be teased No one should be humiliated or ridiculed because you're still wearing a mask. If you feel comfortable not wearing a mask, continue to go strong. Go ahead and be vaccinated. If you're not able to be vaccinated, but you you still want to be careful, go for it. That's all I'm saying. It's great to see everything opening up. It's great 
to see everything moving forward. It's great to see this happening. But once again, just remain confident in yourself. If you feel like you have to still wear the mask, go for it. If you feel like you don't need the mask anymore, go ahead, have fun. If you don't feel comfortable going out still, it's okay, stay home. That's all I'm going to say. New York Red Bulls segment now. They fell 2-1, down to 10 men against the New England Revolution. And what can you say about this one? Um, Andreas Reyes, he uh, had a good start, but uh, somewhere in the middle, he fell apart. Now, let me say this. Scored a fantastic goal. One nil early on, Red Bulls on the front foot, everything looked great. He was doing well defensively, stealing the ball, strong challenges, everything was going great. Until he got himself to a position of stupidity and got himself sent off on two yellow cards. The tackle on Polster, which shoved him into the uh, ad signs. Now, let me just say this. There's uh, Revolution supporters with yelling, that's a red card. No, that's a yellow card. That's a yellow card all day, no matter what. But if you're on a yellow card, you should not be going in strongly with all these challenges. And that was his downfall on the second yellow. Even though the match was leveled at one, You cannot go into a challenge two-footed and expect to be given a break. You got a second yellow, you were shown red, you were sent off, and then the New York Red Bulls were down to 10 men the rest of the way from the 38th minute of the match. And just when you thought that maybe you exit the match at a 1-1 score at halftime, then you have a position and a play where Carlos Cornell does it again. Coronel did not stay glued to his front post. Tejan Buchanan comes in, and he's not crossing that ball. He's going for goal. You stay glued to that in front post. But what does Coronel do? He pulls away from the post. Charlie Davis on the broadcast said he was cheating. No, that's not cheating. He wasn't cheating. He just had a poor position and a poor angle. His decision-making was, I have to play it away from the post. No, you don't. You stay at the post. You stay at the post because you stay there. You don't allow that ball to go into the back of the net. That's the problem. The problem is, and I understand it's a young team, and it's growing pains. This team is good. There's nothing wrong with this team. It's just growing pains. That's all it is. But you have a guy in Carlos Coronel who is supposed to be, okay, he takes over uh, for Ryan Mera. He's claiming he's better than Ryan Mera. That's fine, whatever. But he's making grave errors at the wrong time. Ryan Mera 
and Luis Robles would never peel off that post to stop that shot. Those two would stay at their post until the ball gets shot at. Catches him cheating. That's not cheating. That's just poor decision-making. And when you're down 10 men you're chase, and you're down by a goal, you're chasing the game. I personally believe Andreas Reyes, who is a solid center back, put his team in a poor position, did not, lost his head, and stopped thinking. All I'm saying is this. Do I think he's got potential, Reyes? Yes. But he needs to just stop reacting and just think a little. Because we're not going to have Aaron Long for the, rest, for the remainder of the season. Aaron Long is done. All you have to understand is this. All you have to understand is this. With the great technical ability that these players have, one thing I always say is this. You must have brains. The thought process is the most important part of the technical ability that a footballer has or any professional athlete that has, and no matter what sport they play in, if, they're, if they use their brains, they will be unstoppable. And that is the one thing I believe, that I believe, comes out of nowhere and ruins that moment. We must see more from Reyes after his suspension is over with this coming Saturday. And now the question is, will Amro Tarek be available this coming Saturday? We need to see what's going to happen. Outside of that, I thought they did well. They fought hard. They did well. And all you can say is is that these kids you know, they're going in the right direction with the youth. But still though, more has to be done. Other than that, look, they they did their best, they worked hard, that's all you can ask from them. Plain and simple, that is all you can do. That's it. Nothing more, nothing less. And all you can do is just move on and move forward and uh, get ready for the next game, which will be against Orlando City this coming Saturday at 1 o'clock Eastern. Uh, Wide open, Red Bull Arena, ready to go. Head on over and enjoy the show. And it will be on MSG Network. 
Steve Cangelosi, Chef Messing on the call, along with Michelle Gingris for pregame, halftime, and postgame. So that will do it for tonight's show. I want to thank my guests, Blake Compton over in Columbus, uh, Dynamo Theory's Derek Stowers of SB Nation. My name is Daniel Feuerstein. Thank you for listening to me tonight. And as always, please enjoy your football. Thank you. Have a good night. Take care so long. And bye-bye for now. Have a good night, everybody.